The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. All right. Um, that music always gets me pumped up. Well, good morning. My name is Kevin Wilsey. I'm one of the ministers here on staff. And I just want to say welcome if you're a guest. I know we have a lot of guests here this morning, a family of a lot of those uh, little babies up here. And how beautiful was that just to see mom and dad pray over their little one so that they would be raised up in the Lord. And then to see the church just covenant to say, I'm going to help mom and dad disciple our little ones to to know and love God's word and to know and love God. And so just a a beautiful thing this morning. And so I'm thankful next service, my wife and I will get to be a part of that as well as we'll dedicate uh, our both of our girls, actually, Claire and Charlotte. And so um, a beautiful morning. Well, if you would go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 23 through 11, 1 is where we're going to be at today. And I actually just want to go ahead and just, just read the text once through. I want to read the text, and as I'm reading the text, I want you to just kind of prepare your heart just for God's message today. And so just read along with me and uh, prepare your heart for God's message today. So verse 23, starting in chapter 10, verse 23, all things are lawful. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever, whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Let's pray. Father, you are a good, good father. You are a generous father. And we know that your word, the word that we hold in our hands, it provides everything we need in life. Your word provides everything we need for salvation in our Christian walk. Father, would you change our lives to be lived in gospel freedom, that we would live focused on sacrificial love for the good of others and for your glory in all we do. May we desire to lay down our freedoms for the sake of the gospel. And it's in your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. All right, so we all like our personal freedoms, right? We all like our liberties, right? To do as we please, to go as we please, as long as it's within the law, right? To drive how we want to drive. 
Think about, think about it. When my wife drives, I am quick to comment on how she drives, right? Because I like the way that I drive, right? You guys can relate. And we as followers of Jesus, we come across some areas in our lives that, that I would call our controversial areas for, for believers. In these controversial areas, some believers take more liberties than others, Right? Some believers are, are willing to practice their freedoms a little more than others. And oftentimes, followers of Jesus are so caught up on, can I do this thing? Can I do this? Can I do that? That we don't see how it may affect others around us. For example, oftentimes, followers of Jesus... These are just popular questions that I hear from believers often. Uh, And they ask, am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do this? As followers of Jesus, above the age of 21, can I drink alcohol? As a follower of Jesus, above the age of 18, can I smoke tobacco? Can I vape? Can I kiss my boyfriend or girlfriend? If you're older and dating, can I, can I sleep at my girlfriend's house? Can I sleep at my boyfriend's house? We, we aren't being intimate. I don't know if that's possible, but they say that. We aren't being intimate, but, but can I do this? Am I allowed to spend my money in this way? Am I allowed to spend my money on those things? As a follower, follower of Jesus... Can I listen to this type of music? Can I watch those movies? Can I watch those TV shows? You get my point, right? We have all asked these questions. We have all thought about this in some way. Where things are legal by law, but they're not specifically clear in Scripture. And so you wonder if you have the freedom to be able to do some of those things. We come to this text this morning, and we see that Paul is wrapping up his argument with the Corinthian believers on on eating meat sacrificed to idols. But some believers in Corinth have abused, misunderstood, and misapplied their freedom in Christ. They are practicing freedoms, but they are doing it selfishly, and they're not thinking about others around them. So Paul is going to give them one principle one principle on how to exercise their gospel freedom, how to live in their gospel freedom. And if they live according to the prince, this principle, then they're going to glorify God. So to, today we're going to see one guideline in exercising our gospel freedom. Gospel freedom is focused on love for the glory of God. That's it. If you walk out of here, that's what I want you to remember. Gospel freedom is focused on love for the glory of God. So let's jump into the text, starting in verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So Paul here brings back up this slogan, all things are lawful, that was taken from some of the Christians in Corinth. And and Paul quotes it here because he understood that Christians were taking their liberty in Jesus, their gospel freedom, and they were abusing it to get what they wanted. 
They were not thinking about others around them. They were only thinking about themselves. They were not thinking about glorifying God, but they were just thinking, what can I do? Can I do this? Can I do that? And they were abusing this freedom. They said that they had this knowledge, this knowledge that there is only one true God, and in him all things exist, as Tracy read in Psalm 24 right? That they are set free from sin, that idols are actually nothing because it is God who has created everything. Idols are nothing. They are just man-made, so they don't mean anything. And so it didn't matter if they, if they ate food sacrificed to idols, because to them, they thought, I had this knowledge that That doesn't matter, and so I can go to a house that worshipped idols, and I can eat meat that's sacrificed to an idol. And they use this knowledge of freedom for selfish gain, not caring about how it affected others around them. They were just looking to get a good meal. They just wanted to, to eat, and they took this knowledge of their freedom in Christ, and they abused it. They misapplied it. They, they misunderstood it. They went and they had meals sacrificed to idols in, in these temples to get a good meal, to look good in community, or, or to boast just about their freedom in Christ. They said, I'm a Christian. I know better than you, so I can do these things because I have freedom in Christ. And Paul here says, okay, part of this is true. Part of your thinking, part of what you're focused on is true, but you've misapplied this. You're misunderstanding this, and you're abusing your gospel freedoms. He says all things may be lawful, but that doesn't mean that those things are helpful or beneficial and build others up. Paul says, look, eating food sacrificed to idols may be lawful, but you need to understand who is around you? Who is standing right next to you? To them, it may not be helpful if they see you eating food sacrificed to idols. Think about it. Think about another brother or sister in Christ. What if they don't have the same understanding that, that you're free in Christ that, that you do? And so they see you eating food sacrificed to idols well, that, that wouldn't be helpful to them. That wouldn't be beneficial or edifying, and it, and it wouldn't build them up. It would just cause confusion. confusion. And then he says, and, and also just, just think about a person who doesn't know Christ. What would an unbeliever think if they saw you in an idol temple eating sacrificed food to an idol? What are they going to think? They're going to think that you're participating in idol worship. This isn't helpful, and this doesn't build them up in Christ. This wouldn't encourage them to pursue the things of Christ. And Paul tells the believers to exercise your gospel freedoms, but you must do what is helpful. You must do what builds up. So what does that really mean? What does it mean to exercise our gospel freedoms by being helpful and and doing things that build up? Well, if you flip back to chapter 8, you see Paul, he says in verse 1, knowledge puffs up, 
but love builds up. This knowledge they had actually led to them living pridefully, to boast in their freedom. But Paul says, love builds up. So if, you, if love builds up, and building up is what Paul means is being helpful, then Paul is telling the Corinthians, the, the believers in Corinth, as a guideline to exercise your gospel freedom, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Love. It says, as you walk out your gospel freedoms, you're not supposed to think about yourself. Knowledge puffs up. It leads to pride. But you're actually supposed to love. Because love builds up. When we come to a situation where we can live out our gospel freedoms, we must be thinking, is this loving? We must ask that question, is it loving? When we are in situations that we consider are controversial, a lot of those of what I listed before, and we don't know how others will react, um, then we must exercise love in order for it to be beneficial and edifying to that person. You see, we, we must consider others as we exercise our gospel freedom. We must consider them with the idea that I'm going to put them above myself. I'm going to put them above my desires and my wants. That I'm going to love them. So then you ask, okay, well, what, what does love really look like? And we're going to hit this later on as we finish the book of 1 Corinthians. But, but Paul talks about it later. And a lot of you guys know this verse in 1 Corinthians 13. And so if you know it, know it read it aloud with me. Love is what? Patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoice with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So in exercising your gospel freedom, Paul is saying you're not looking to insist on your own way, but you're looking to love others. And this may mean that you must give up some of your freedoms for the good of others. And he continues in verse 25, and he gives us a few examples of of that principle to love. In our gospel freedoms, we must focus on love. And then he gives us the first example. Verse 25, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the good of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Paul says, all things are lawful. You are free to go to, to go to the meat market, to go to public space, and without question, you can buy meat for you to eat. See, a lot of times the meat markets were the closest thing to idol temples. And so what would happen was these, these priests in the temple would sacrifice a goat, and then they would take it right to the meat market for people to buy. And so in the meat markets, too, some of the butchers were probably old, some of the best butchers were probably old priests. And so Paul knows that, hey, as a believer, 
even with Jewish background as a believer, for me to walk into the meat market and purchase meat, there's a good chance that this meat was just sacrificed to an idol. So can I purchase this meat? Can I eat this meat? Jewish law stated that they had to ask the butcher where this meat came from. And if it came from being sacrificed to an idol, then they couldn't eat it. And Paul's saying, don't worry about any any of that. This isn't an issue. This this isn't a, a cause for your conscience to be stirred. Your conscience does not need to be considered here. You don't need to vet your meat before you buy it. You don't need to ask the butcher where this came from. Well, why not? Because of Psalms 26, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You see, the meat was given by God in the first place. And so in public space, in the meat market, you do not need to ask where that meat came from because you know that the meat has come from the Lord because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Just go and buy and eat. God is the source of this meat. Since, and since you aren't in the idol temple being a part of this sacrifice and eating this meat because you're in public space, it's okay. You can buy it. You can eat it. You're not worshiping an idol in this setting. It's simply food given by God, and you can thank him, and you can praise him, and you can eat that good juicy steak. So let's say you and your spouse, you're invited to go out to eat with a, a coworker and their spouse, right? And y'all end up going to a restaurant that serves alcohol. You know, in the South, a lot of questions even that I've, I've gotten is, can I drink alcohol? And so that's going to be kind of the examples that I focus on, but it applies to many situations here. So you and your spouse, you go with a coworker and their spouse, and you go out to a restaurant that serves alcohol. Well, the moment you walk into the place, you notice that this restaurant serves alcohol. You do not have to announce to everyone in that space that you do not drink alcohol. You do not have to go, excuse me, excuse me. I know alcohol is a little touchy, but I'm a believer in Jesus and I don't drink. You don't have to announce that to the bartender, to the waitress, to anyone in that restaurant. Why? Wouldn't they just look at you kind of funny anyways if you did that? But you don't have to make it an issue because it's not an issue. So in this setting, say with your co-worker and, and their spouse, it's not an issue. And so if you're offered a glass of wine and your conscience allows that, you're free in your conscience, then you can have a glass of wine with your meal. You don't have to worry about everyone around you in this public setting because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You can bless God for the gifts that he's given us, for the food and the drink that he's given us, and you can honor and worship him in that setting. And if it is against your conscience, then you just say no thank you, and you move on, and it's not a big deal, right? You are free by law and free in Christ, but you must exercise in love. And he gets to that in his second example here, verse 27 through 30. 
If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Okay, sounds similar. That was his first example here. Then it changes. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that which I give thanks? So now the context has has changed, but the issue remains the same. A Corinthian believer is invited to a home to go over to a neighbor's home, and this neighbor is, is not a follower of Jesus. And they go over there for a dinner party. And the Corinthian believer says, or they're invited, and the Corinthian believer's like, yeah, I want to go. So they go over there. It's not against his conscience. So he goes, and Paul's like, yeah, go. Eat whatever is set before you. If your conscience is, is worried, then remember that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Paul's saying, don't be rude. Remember the truths of Scripture. There is gospel freedom there. But as you're at this party, then he's saying, someone brings up that this food was sacrificed to an idol. Then what do you do? Can I eat it? Can I do this? I don't know. And Paul's saying, if someone brings that up, that your food has been offered and sacrificed, do not eat it. He's like, not for your conscience. You understand that you've been set free and that all things come from God. You understand that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, but don't eat it because of their conscience. You must do this out of love for the spiritual well-being of that person. If the food matters to this other person, then it matters to you. If it was offered in sacrifice, then you cannot eat it, even though it may be lawful for you. <clears throat> it is not beneficial, and it doesn't build up the other person. Paul is telling them that they must love Christ and the other person more than they love that meal, more than they love that steak and that glass of wine. Paul's saying that's not of importance, but this person's life who has brought up that this, this food has been sacrificed to idols, It is important. And do not sacrifice, do not sacrifice the potential of this person knowing God on a deeper level or being confused by uh, by what Christians believe by eating that meal. He says, no, put it aside. You can give that up for the good of this other person. That's what it means to focus on love as you walk in gospel freedom. All right. So let's think for us. A friend invites us over to their house for, for a dinner party, right? And this friend's not a believer in Jesus, and they prepare a nice meal for you, and you sit down, and we continue with example one and the first part of this second example, and it's not an issue. It's not an issue of conscience. So you eat, and you have a good time. You have a glass of wine, and you have a good, you have a good time, and it's not an issue. However, let's just say, that this friend in the past, maybe he's a coworker, maybe he's a classmate, uh, whoever he or she is, has brought up to you their struggles of alcohol. 
and you remember as you walk into this house and you see that alcohol is going to be served, that this person has mentioned that they do struggle with it, that it is an idol in their life. What do you do? You do not touch that alcohol. You do not even come close to it. Why? Because you're focused on building them up for the sake of the gospel, for love, for their good, what would be beneficial and edifying to them. So at that moment, you have to ask yourself, would this be helpful? Would this be edifying? Is this the most loving thing to do? And then you sacrifice your freedom to have a drink because you love that person more than you do, than you love that drink. So when it comes to any situation and you want to exercise your gospel freedom, but you don't know that it may have a negative effect on some of the people around you, then don't do it. But you know that it may have a negative effect, then don't even touch that freedom. Paul is saying you must not seek your own advantage or your own good, but you must exercise love. See, it's not about you. Stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about your desires, your needs, your wants. The question is not, can I do this? The question is not, can I do that? That's not the question. The question is, is this good for my brother? Is this good for my neighbor who doesn't know Jesus Christ? Does this build them up? Is this edifying to them? Is this helpful? That's the question that we need to be asking. Culture today tells us to to walk how you want to walk, do what you want to do, to walk in your freedoms. But stop misunderstanding the gospel, that the gospel, it hasn't set you free to sin, but it set you free from sin. And so now you can walk in freedom to give up your freedoms for the sake of others. That you, shouldn't, that you shouldn't seek your own advantage, your own good, but you should exercise love. See, it's, it's not about you. So stop thinking about how you're free to drink, how you're free to spend your money in this way, how you're free to, to smoke tobacco, to watch these movies, to watch this TV show to kiss your boyfriend or girlfriend. Stop thinking about how it meets your desires. And think about other people above yourself. Think about how this is loving. Um, in chapter 9, verse 19, you could go there. It says, Paul says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Your gospel freedom is focused on love for what? For their salvation. So that they could come to know the same love that you have encountered. See, this doesn't mean that you must become a slave of another's conscience. No, you're not just doing that because, of, uh, because they're putting over you, you need to act in this way. No, true freedom is being able to sacrifice for the sake of others when the gospel's at stake. And this is Paul's answers to his questions in verse 29 and 30. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? Why should I worry about someone wrongfully judging me? 
Because if it causes them to stumble or will point them away from Jesus, then it is better to set that freedom aside for the sake of the gospel. And then he asks in verse 30, if I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? I give thanks to God for this meal. I'm free to eat it. I'm free to do these things. Why should I be condemned by someone, someone else because of it? Because if it hinders your testimony or your chance to share the good news of Jesus Christ, then you should want nothing to do with whatever that is. So Paul, he asked these questions to draw their attention back to his principle. That gospel freedom is focused on love. Gospel freedom is not just that all things are lawful, but that you consider those around you and you sacrifice your freedoms for their good, for their benefit, to build them up in the Lord. Galatians 5, 13, Paul says, Christian, for you were called to freedom. Christians, you were called to freedom. Only do not, your, don't, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. How many of you have ever been on an airplane? On an airplane, okay. How many of you still listen to the flight attendant's safety protocol announcement? Yeah, very few of us. But we all know what they say, right? We have it memorized because we've been on flights and we hear them say it over and over and over. We all know what they say. But what happens if, if you and your kids are on the plane and oxygen levels drop? What happens? The mask comes down. Then what do you do? You put it on yourself first. And I always thought, that is so weird. Why, why would we put it on ourselves first? Why do we do that? Why is that? Say it out loud. So we can help others. Right? So Christ, Paul's specifically talking to believers here, and Christ has set us free. Right? We have gospel freedoms. We, he has set us free from our addiction to sin, from running to other things. We under, understand that. We understand that there is only one true God. There is no other God. And so we are walking out this gospel freedom in love. We already have the oxygen mask on. So we need to stop thinking about what can I do for myself and once we have that mask on, now we need to say, okay, I need to help my kids. I need to help them with their oxygen. I need to think about everything I'm doing for them, not just because the flight attendant tells me to put my mask on, then help them, but because I need my oxygen. I need to come to the word of the Lord, to receive his truths, to allow him to show me how to live in my life and to walk that out, walk in obedience. And then as I understand gospel freedom and I'm walking in obedience, then I'm thinking about my child and I'm saying, you need this oxygen too. You need to live in this way because I want you to understand this gospel freedom that Christ has died for. And now you can walk in love. You can walk in obedience. Paul's guideline to us as believers in Jesus who have gospel freedom saying we must be focused on love. 
We have gospel freedom. He's talking to believers, but now focus on love. Put that oxygen mask on first. So this is a a side point. If you do not understand that you are set free in Christ, if you do not eat up God's word, you can't focus on love. You can't seek the good of others because you don't understand what scripture is telling you. You don't understand how to truly walk it out. You need to be in God's word to understand his truths, to meet with Jesus daily. So do that first. But as a follower of Jesus, if you are doing that, then you walk out focused on love and you walk your gospel freedoms out focused on love. Does that make sense? So in our decision-making, we must be focused on love so that others may have the oxygen that they need to experience the same love, the same freedom in life that we have. We must focus on love so that salvation will not be hindered, so that the gospel will not be hindered. It is better to set that freedom aside for the sake... Sorry, I went to the wrong place. So Paul now transitions to his summary. When we come to the close, we come to the summary in verses 31 through 11.1. That when we exercise our gospel freedom focus on love, when we, when we come to God's word and we learn how he's teaching us to walk, when we obey it, when we walk and we focus on others above ourselves, we put their good above uh, ours, then he's saying we exercise this, and we glorify God. We glorify God. Look at verse 31. So, tying it back, summary statement, tying it back to everything we just talked about, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do what? Do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Paul is saying we glorify God when out of love for him, we lay down our freedoms. We lay down our freedoms in in eating, in drinking, in, in driving, in our relationships, at our neighbor's house, at work, in school when we're hanging out with the boys, when we're hanging out with the girls, or whatever it is in everything that we do, we must consider others above ourselves. This is what glorifies God. This is the purpose for our lives. In all that we do and in the freedoms that God has given us through Christ, we must be focused on laying down our desires, our wants, our needs in order for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forward. How many of you guys do catechisms? You heard of catechisms? John's like the only one. My family does catechisms. um, And so what a catechism is, is it asks a question and then there's an answer for you to simply just understand a simple biblical truth, right? And one question to a catechism is, what is the chief end of man? Does anyone know the answer to that? What is the chief end of man? Huh? Yeah. The chief end of man is to glorify God 
is to glor- sorry, glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Man is to reflect or display God's glory. To reflect or display God's glory in everything we do. In everything we do. John Piper, to this, has a famous quote. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is glorified when we are finding satisfaction, not in the freedoms that we have, right? Not in the freedoms of this world, not in our desires or wants or, or needs, but when we are more satisfied in him with obedience, with loving others, with putting them above ourselves, focused on love, we can give up our freedoms and rights for his glory. See, God is most glorified when we are satisfied in the one who is the perfect example of this. And Paul closes by bringing our attention to Christ. Because it is Christ who, who leads this out. It is, as you read your scripture, you see it is Christ who gave up his freedoms. Why? So that we could have freedom. So that we could have life. Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. See, the principle, the guideline for you to walk in gospel freedom, it comes down to Christ crucified. So if you're ever in a situation and you're like, I don't know if I should do this, I want you to think about Christ crucified. Christ crucified for the love of your brother. It was Christ's life that was laid down for us while, what? We were still sinners. It was Christ's liberties and rights as the God, man, coming to earth to die, that sinful man and woman would be saved. It was because God loved us so much that he gave his own son, Jesus, to die for us. Christ is who we must imitate in all that we do. And that glorifies God. This is what brings glory to God. So focus on love. Do not misunderstand, misapply, or abuse your freedoms that God has given you in Christ. Christ gave up his freedoms so that you will be saved from sin. Christ did not die and give up his freedoms so that you will be saved to then go and sin. So now, as believers, you must live to imitate Christ, focus on love, being free to enjoy all God has provided, but also being free to sacrifice by love. The freedoms that God has given you for the sake of his glory. So do all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this church, that this community, that believers here in this room today, that those who, who follow you would strive to do your glory in all that we do. That we will be a church who is focused not on ourselves, but on love for others. In all our actions, may we glorify you and enjoy you forever. That we would be quick to lay down our freedoms for the sake of the gospel. 
And I pray for those in this room who do not know your love. Would they this morning clearly see the freedoms that you gave up for them, that you loved them so much that you sent your son, Jesus, down from heaven to live a perfect life that we couldn't live, and Jesus died on the cross for their sin. Father, he gave up his life for us. Father, would you open up their hearts to see that Christ freely gave up his life so that they could have life. Father, would you call all of us to give up whatever it is that we are living for now, whatever it is that that we are placing before you. Father, would you help us not misapply or misunderstand or abuse the freedom that we have in Christ, but would you help us to focus on love, to focus on Christ crucified and be able to walk out our freedom focused on love. Father, for those who do not know this love that I talk about, Father, I pray that you draw them to your word. If they hear the words that I'm saying that that Jesus loves you. He loved you so much that he died for you. Father, would you turn their hearts to believe that? Would you change their lives for your glory? We love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.